0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your
1: life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at
0: fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Put your hands together and just tell God how much you love him, is he good? He is so good, but wouldn't it be cool if he just followed you around and whispered in your ear and told you to go left here and go right there? Wouldn't that be cool? If you had a Lord, if you had a Heavenly Father, if you had a Holy Spirit that just said, hey Chuck, Go to the left here, man. The right's bad news. Well, interesting passage of Scripture from a prophet in the Old Testament. His name is Isaiah. And this is what he says about the Lord Jesus Christ and how God will guide us. Take a look at this. He says, Your own ears will hear him. Right behind you a voice will say, This is the way you should go. Isn't that something? So the The real issue today is not whether or not he's saying it. The real issue is whether you're hearing it. So I'm asking the question today. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? Because I've heard some stuff, people. Some stuff that have radically changed my life. Things that I have based not only my life on, but the life of every family member that I have. Not only have I based my life on it, I've based my one and only eternity on what I have heard and you people in this room are among the smartest people that I have ever known in my life. You are smart, you are good looking, you are sharp, you have very funny personalities, and I just love being around you. You're carving out life and a living for your family on the western slope of Colorado. And the truth of the matter is, the median income here is about 42000 a household. You could go to Highlands Ranch and it'd be over seventy. You could go to Broomfield, it might be more than that. You could take the very income that you have right here, and you could live in New Mexico or Texas, a little bit higher on the hog, a little bigger house, but then you'd have to live in New Mexico and Texas. (laughs) So you're a smart people. You're a creative people. Many of you own businesses, therefore you employ people. So you're not only making a living for yourself, but you're helping other people make a living for their families, and I applaud you for that. Many of you work for companies where you're making a great difference in that company. Some of you are invisible, yet you're invaluable. And there's something very special about that. So I hold every one of you at the very highest esteem. I highly respect you. So I guess this morning, I'm coming to you for counsel. I guess this morning, I'm going to ask a question here in a little bit, because I need to know something from some very smart people. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? I'll come back to the question. I've heard that Jesus is the only way you're going to get to heaven. There it is right on the side screen. He's it. Nobody's getting into heaven without going through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you live on this planet, there is no other way to go to God's heaven but through the person of Jesus Christ christ it doesn't matter what you grew up believing it doesn't matter where you live it doesn't matter what country that you're in it doesn't matter what your belief system is jesus is the one and only i heard him say it now i heard him say it and i've based my entire life on the fact that he has said that acts chapter 4 verse 11 says jesus is the stone this is the apostle paul talking The you builders rejected he's become the cornerstone salvation is found in no one else, and there is no other name under heaven given to mankind, well, that's everybody on the planet, by which we must be saved. So you can stop looking, stop questioning, and stop with the not believing. There's only one way to go to heaven, and that's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I heard it, I heard it from his word, and I believe it with all my heart. And then he goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 24, but because Jesus lives forever, His priesthood lasts forever. Nobody's dethroning him. No belief system, no liberal agenda. Nobody is dethroning. He's not coming up for vote again in four years. It's Jesus. He's on the throne for all eternity. And then he goes on to say this, to save those who come to God. How? Yeah, through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Guys, that just blew me away when I was 12 years of age. A guy preached on heaven, and I believed that Jesus died for my sins, and I asked Christ to come into my heart and save me. And at the age of 12, I went around in my Christian school, and I told all my teachers, I told all my friends that that day in a chapel class, sitting six rows back, six rows deep in the worship center, I asked Christ to save me. And man, I meant it. And I mean, it changed my life forever. Well, I was in a Christian school. We had Bible, as just like math or English, every day of the week. So I had a Bible class that I had to take test on every day of the week. And by the age of 16, I was radical for God. This whole thing about salvation and relationship with God and a home forever in heaven, and now I don't have to go to hell because I know Christ is my personal Savior, not by anything that I had done, because I had done lots of stupid things. All of a sudden, it made, it made sense to me. And I couldn't believe how anybody wouldn't want to be saved. I mean, if they just heard the message of the Lord Jesus Christ or maybe given to them in some way they hadn't heard it before in some creative manner here or maybe through the arts and this song here or this way here, maybe different life experiences would cause it. Listen, I still couldn't believe that anybody on this planet wouldn't simply ask Jesus to save them because the truth of the matter is if I'm wrong, when I die, I will have lived the greatest life I could possibly live on this planet regardless. But if they're wrong, they're going to have a miserable life, and oh my gosh, they're going to have a miserable eternity. So why not? Why not take the chance, take the risk, and accept Christ as a personal Savior? And at 16 years of age, I raised my hand. I said, God, I'll tell them. I'll tell them. I'll spend the rest of my life, Father, telling people about Jesus, telling people how to be saved because it radically changed my life. Man, my boldness for Christ from 16 years up would make Tim Tebow's boldness on the football field look weak, people. I'm telling you. I believed it. I bought into it. And that's why there's many, many times where I'll be in the lobby with folks and, or I'll be somewhere in the country or somewhere around the city and I'll, I'll ask people, especially in our lobby, I'll say to some of you, I'll say, hey, Hey, where's your family from? Oh man, they're from they're they're from Denver. That's great. That's great. Are they saved? Well, they you know they're Catholic. They go to a Catholic church, and I go, well, are, are they saved Catholics? And that throws them. And then I'll say to somebody else, man, how, how about your family? Where they go to a Baptist church over there in Orchard Mesa? Really cool. Are they saved? Well, they, they go to the ba, ba, go to Baptist church. Well, I know, but are they are they saved Baptist? I oh, ask somebody else, hey hey. where how about your family where are they from pastor they work in the children's ministry they've been coming here for like four years that's my kids that's my son my daughter oh my gosh I didn't know that I didn't put it together that's crazy man are they saved well pastor they come to fellowship church well are they saved fc people that's what I want to know don't let this blow your mind but the catholic church has never saved anybody And the Baptist and the Assembly of God churches have never saved anybody. And in 28 years of existence as Fellowship Church right here in Grand Junction, Colorado, Fellowship Church has never saved anybody. Because only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. I heard that. I get that. I understand that. And it's radically changed my life. I based all my eternity on it. So my prayer for you is that this Christmas season, every one of your family members will get saved. They would all cry out, call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, man. That's my prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now, I ask that every person in this room, every family member that they have that they love so dearly, they would come to know you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus. They would have a home forever in heaven. The circle they have here on earth is a relationship that has lasted a long time. It would last forever never be un- never be broken. It would always last, even into heaven. That We'd hug every one of our loved ones there again. No family member in here leaving this life without knowing you, Jesus. That's my prayer. That's my prayer. Y'all, y'all accept that prayer? Do Y'all accept that for your life? Well, I also hear God saying that uh, this life is short and it's going to go by very quickly. Now, I've let that radically change my life. This life is short and it's going to go by very quickly. Now, one of my favorite passages that I read in the morning sometimes having coffee with God is this one. It's Psalms 103. And it says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, man, I'm, not, I'm going to be zealous about it. I'm not going to just play with it. I'm going to be zealous. All in. I'm all in. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Oh, my God, he's done some good things for me. Man. He forgave all my sins. Man, I'm glad he didn't leave anything out there just hanging over my head. But he forgave them all. He heals how, how many, how many diseases, how many? All of them, neither here on earth or in death. We're not going to take them with us to heaven. He's going to, he, he's healing all of them. He redeems me from death. <laughs> I love that. He bought me back. Death can't have me. And he crowns me with love and tender mercies. Mercies. Wow. A whole bunch of stuff I don't deserve. He, uh, he just poured them on me. He fills my life with good things. Yeah, there he is. He does not punish us for all our sins. Anybody else glad about that? He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. I know a lot of people I've talked to think God is taskmaster who's mean. But this says he doesn't deal harshly with us. We deserve it, but he doesn't do it. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him, which means you hold him in the highest of respect is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. Man, next time you're feeling unloved, you just look up at a starry sky and figure that one out. He's removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's, that's a pretty long way. The Lord is like a father to his children. He's tender, he's compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. God, I thought that sometimes, but I i didn't know you you acknowledged it, you know. As in, I think I'm strong. I'm not. I think I'm in control of that, and I'm, well, here it comes again. I think I got that whipped in my life and shows right back up, bigger and stronger than me at that, that moment. He says he knows how weak we are. He remembers that we're only, <laughs> only dust. Yeah, he made us from it. Our days on this earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and we die. You live, look good, smell good, and then you're dead. Merry Christmas. (laughs) The wind blows, doesn't take much, and we're gone. (laughs) Boy, is that encouraging. And here's the here's this will it's a shocker as though we had never been here. Wow, well, I wish I had time to explain that, as though we had never been here. Maybe next Sunday. I'll explain that next Sunday. What's it mean as though we had never been here? Wow. Teach us to realize the brevity of life. I'm fifty-nine years of age, and I'm gonna tell you something. It goes by quick. I've seen it firsthand and I believe it. That's why I'm not wasting any of my time that I have here on the wrong things or on the wrong people. (laughs) See you, wouldn't want to be you. I only have a little bit of time here. When Ann and I came to Grand Junction, uh, I was 30, she was 29 years of age. Her kids were real little. Man, we hit the ground running. We were working and serving and trying to grow a church and reaching people and praying people with people and having breakfast with folks and wrapping up people and come on by into the vision with us. We're trying to do kingdom work here. And uh, man, we went from the little building on Elm Avenue to North Avenue to the Avalon to here. And I mean, in, in some ways, looking back on it, it seems like it was a lifetime ago. But But those of you my age... In other ways, it seems like it was just yesterday. Have you ever looked in the mirror and thought you were going to see a a (laughs) 30-year-old? And there's this old grade thing looking back at you wondering what? Now, don't get me wrong. I wouldn't go back a day in my life. No, uh uh-uh. It took too much energy to get here, and you only have so much energy to live just one lifetime on this planet. So I'm not saying I would go back, but I will tell you this. Oh, my gosh, how quickly it has gone by. How quickly it has gone by. I'll never forget <clears throat> when we first built the first building on this property, how excited I was. I mean, man, it was so exciting. We were finally getting out here. We were in the Avalon setting up, tearing down. Dan was on a, a set-up tear, set and tear-down crew. We were at 4 or three three 345 every Sunday morning. He was on a truck unloading stuff in the Avalon. And uh, we say, hey, son, come on and have lunch with us. No, he, he didn't get done because he had to load it back up after service was over, so he couldn't come have lunch with the family. He's on the teardown setup career every Sunday morning. And so I was really glad when we finally got out here. When we got out here, we, th- we were going to build the first building, a little box, a box building. Now it's 4640. How many of you remember meeting in that building? Would you raise your hand? Yeah. And we met in it, man. We were so excited about it. But we were on a shoestring budget getting the infrastructure of this property done, which was very expensive and then being able to build that first building. So we just built a box, and then modular buildings for the children. How many of you remember the modular buildings? Yeah, 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 Bill. (laughs) I remember when me and we we were doing this, and I remember Bill Kilgore and Scott Sullivan, they were working in the mezzanine. Those guys are crawling around that mezzanine working. I'll never forget, I'll never forget the crew that came out on a, on a Saturday and we, we put all the inside uh, 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 sheetrock up on the building. How many of you remember the, the sheetrock day in the building? Yeah, yeah, Dina was on my crew. I remember that. Scott was working over here. And I mean, it was, it was just a, it was a great day. And as we did that work, I was getting a call from my mom that my dad had fallen. My dad built a company in Indianapolis. He built a business in Orlando, Florida. He built a business in Fort Worth, Texas. But when Ann and I and the kids moved to Grand Junction, my mom and dad looked at each other and said, you know, there's no real reason for us to stay here right now. My brother was pastoring a church somewhere else. My other brother was, you know, living a, you know, a life somewhere else. And so my mom and dad decided they would go back to Indianapolis and take care of her mom, you know, while she was growing older. And my dad, you know, being older, you know, he's always had a business, always had a shop. He put a shop in an outbuilding behind his house. And one day, he fell. And when he fell, he ended up in the hospital. And from the hospital, he ended up in a rehab. How many times have you heard that in the story of older people? And from the rehab, he begged my mom to take him home. So she set up a hospital bed where her dining room table was at home. And there's where he went. So while we were doing all this stuff, and I'm smiling and happy and preaching every Sunday morning, and we couldn't be in on a bigger high in life as a church, my mom's calling and saying, your dad's not doing good, son. I said, well, all right, Mom, I'm preaching Sunday. I'll get a a plane. I'll come on up. I'll see him. Saw him in rehab a couple of times. And then uh, I'd come back, and I'd work on the boardwalk out by the, the, the children's modulars. And uh, Bill Kilgore would come out to me, and I'd have a little fire going, throw my scrap wood in the fire just to heat it up, just so I would get my hands warm out there. And I kind of pushed everybody else on another project. And sometimes we would get here at 5:30 in the morning, we work till 11 o'clock at night. Miss Miller and several other people brought big old pots of chili up here and sandwiches, so we could keep working. And Bill Kilgore would come out there and he'd say, "Hooper, you need some help?" I said, "No, man, Bill, I'm all right, buddy. I got this. You go on." And he'd come out again, Bill. Then. Pastor, you need some help. No, Bill. I'm good, man. I'm good. All right, all right. And I work a little bit and I cry a little bit. Then I laugh a little bit, sing a little bit, had a little headphone in, worship a little bit. Stop, call my mom. How's dad doing? Well, you know, son. All right, mom, I'll run back up here. And that, that was happening. All the time, it was the best days of my life. It was the worst days during the same days. Now figure that out. The best of times and the worst of times at the same time. And it seemed to me like my dad went from this very strong, wonderful, cheerleader in my life, biggest fan I ever had, businessman, strong man, to a very weak and sick man overnight. Overnight. Well, that leads me to the last thing I heard God say. Here it is. You see it on the side screen? If I'm going to live this brief life the way that God wants me to live it, then I'm going to have to live it through some seasons of pain. (laughs) Because if you don't, you're going to go your whole life thinking If I get older, then things will get easier. You'll be in your 20s and 30s, not enjoying them or slowing down or taking a vacation or spending any money to have fun, thinking one of these days I'm going to have more discretionary income and one of these days I'm going to have more time. And then, yes, then is when I'm going to have more fun. But here's the lie of that the older you get, it's not that your challenges go away your challenges just change to greater challenges that takes the wisdom and the faithfulness that you had to take to be able to get there. So here's what I'm saying. Through the pain of life, if you as a child of God are not able to smile and not able to laugh and not able to carve out some fun, you will live your entire life Waiting for something to make you happy when it's only God and what he said to you can make you happy. Well, God, what would you say about this? He said in John 10, 10, the thief's coming. He only comes in order to steal your joy, kill you, kill your marriages, destroy your incomes, your prosperity. But I came that you might have and enjoy life. And have it to the abundance, to the full, till it overflows. John 16:33 says, "I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace, because in this world you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have distress, and you're going to have suffering." Well, maybe if I get closer to God and be a better Christian and worship and tithe, I won't have tribulation, distress and suffering. I just got to ask you a question: Are you still in this world? You're not exempt. But be courageous, God said. Be confident and undaunted. Be filled with joy. I've overcome the world. King James Version says this, be of good cheer, (laughs) even during the hard times. And to be of good cheer means to applaud, to shout approval, to be optimistic, and to be filled with joy. I'm I'm a very happy person. Dad died when I was here with you guys. And I was happy through it. Joy filled. My sister died of breast cancer in her fifties. Had two babies that would have been grandkids to my parents. They died when at nine months in her womb. Carried them full term, died. Yeah. Um seen a lot of friends go home to be with the Lord, walk through a lot of cemeteries, a lot of them with you guys. And um wonderful people, staff members that have died. Seen a lot of things happen. Gone through a lot of things. I'm telling you right now, you're not seeing a fake up here. I'm one of the happiest people you have ever embedded your life. I am incredibly grateful. I cannot believe that God loves me the way he loves me and that he's been so good to me the way that he has. I can't believe he talks to me in the morning. I can't believe that that the Holy Spirit would use me. I can't believe that I'm doing I would have loved to have been invisible yet invaluable to a ministry. And God said, no, I'm going to put you on stage. And I'm like, are you sure, Lord? I'm just blown away by it. I love sunrises. I love it. If you say, what's one of the biggest kicks of your day? I'll tell you. I grab my coffee around 5.30, quarter to 6 in the mornings. I walk to my study. And when I can see the sun coming up right now over the south end of the Grand Mesa, I will maneuver myself to the window, sipping my coffee and watching the sunrise. And in the last week of November and the first week of December, I have seen some of the most beautiful sunrises I've ever seen in my life coming over the Grand Mesa. Some of you put them on Facebook. They look, they're just that good. And I'll tell God, thank you. Ann and I, in a wonderful season of life, I'm loving my new job description of doing whatever I want to do and saying whatever I want to say. I love it. I plan on perfecting that, Duke. I'm going to perfect it, tell you about it. I love it. I haven't perfected it yet. I'm getting there. But a few months ago, my phone rang uh, about 5 something in the morning. And I wasn't up yet. Looked over there. And it was my mom's cell phone. Well, my mom forgets sometimes that Florida is two hours later than us. So I didn't think anything about it. I thought, oh, she didn't pay attention to that. I'll call her when I get up and get my coffee. So I got up. I got my coffee. And uh, I went over to my study. And as I was walking over there, I, I called her back. Hi, Mom. Danny? That's what she always calls me when she's a little confused. Danny's what she called me when I was a little boy growing up in her home. Danny? There's some people in my house, and they're being loud, and they won't leave. I'm like freaking out. Mom, give me the phone. Put them on the phone, Mom. She changed the subject. She said, the stove has been talking to me all night long. I went out in the living room, told that stove to shut up. And you know what? That stove listened to me, she said. And I went, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh. She's full-blown Louis body dementia now. Lewy body dementia, or LBD, is right after Alzheimer's. It's the second most common dementia that old people can get. And it is characterized with hallucinations. So now she's seeing things and she's hearing things, and now all of my conversations with her are not about how the kids are doing, how the family's doing, how she's doing, how's the church doing. Now it's about who she saw in the house and the noises that she's hearing around her. She called my brother. She lives on my brother's property on six acres of beautiful, beautiful pine trees in Florida. My brother and sister-in-law take incredibly good care of her. But she called my brother down to her house, a little modular building called a park model that's there on her, his property. And she says, well, you look out that window. And he looks out the window. She says, you see that little boy sitting out underneath that tree? He's been throwing dirt clods at the house all day long. There's nobody there. The other day she called me and said, how'd you sleep last night, Mom? She said, she said son, she said, Danny, she said, I, uh, she said, I got tired of them people in here making noises. I ran them all out last night. I'm not going to put up with it. She said they were all outside. They stayed out there all night long. Oh, I heard some knocking on the door, but I knew who it was. And then she paused and I said, Mom, you okay? She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your dad just walked through. I said he did. So what do you do? You just, you just walk by me. He went back into the bedroom, laid down, pulled up the blankets. I thought, well, that's something. He's been in heaven for 20 years now. And this is what I said. I said, well, next time he walks by, Mom, tell him hi. Tell him hi. Anybody at all in here relate to what I'm talking about with an older person? Yeah. I read something from somebody that gave me wisdom on that. They said the best thing you can do when somebody that you love is going through dementia or Parkinson's or Alzheimer's is to keep your sense of humor. And do you know what I've done with my mom on the phone? I've loved her. I've made sure she's safe. I've been incredibly patient with her, telling her how to open up her email for the 500th time. How to work her cell phone. Mom, I sent you a text. Did you read it? Well, I can't read it. Like all I can see is your face on the phone right now. Well, you gotta get out of the phone mode and you gotta get to the text mode, Mom. And we have laughed. And we've cried a little bit. And Ann and I are heading back down there December 27th to give my brother and sister-in-law a break and work with her and help her. Make sure she's got what she needs. And it's the best of times. And it's the worst of times the same time but you're not and you never will see a person that's happier than I am filled with joy and thankfulness I don't need all the stuff I got I I really don't give me an old jeep with over a 100,000 miles on it and give me a camper down by a river I'd be happy now Anna wouldn't but I'm telling you right now (laughs) Maybe I can park it in the backyard of her house. (laughs) Well, women are different. Um, I just don't need all that. And neither do you. Because if you're not going to figure out and carve out an incredible, fun, joy-filled life where you're at right now, with all the difficulties and problems that you're facing. You're not going to carve out one when you get older either. Ann and I have some best friends in Fort Worth, Texas, Bill and Cindy Ramsey. I was talking to him this morning on the phone before he he was heading to his church. He pastored the first Baptist church of Fort Worth. That's the one Ann and I came from. We grew up in a Baptist church. Um, when Fellowship Church started going and God started doing an amazing work here and we started exploding Bill and his wife came here and they experienced a service at Fellowship Church and he went back from here feeling like something was missing in his life and they said we are going to leave the comfort that we have of being here at the First Baptist Church, a very prestigious church, who paid him very well to start a church in a high school building with no salary and no people. He had to set up every morning, he had to tear down every day, but he so longed for a place where the Holy Spirit was working and not just where people were doing church and wouldn't change that he risked everything. And we watched, Stan and I, we watched our two best friends from high school that we double dated with. We watched them risk everything. We sent them a check once a month to help them with their house payment because we knew that they were struggling. And uh, pretty soon the church went from a high school building rented to a storefront, an old grocery store that had closed down that they remodeled with a few hundred people. From there, oh my gosh, it took off. After that, they bought property in the Metroport Cities area of Fort Worth where the Speedway had gone in. A booming, booming area like, like Broomfield, maybe north of Denver. Uh, and, and before you know it, the church just took off. It just exploded. And man, he's calling and people were getting saved and the church is really awesome. He's calling it the Met Church. And then another phone call. He came here, visited Ann and I. Ran around the state of Colorado with him, and we saw something in Cindy, his wife, one of our dear friends from high school. We saw something in her. We thought, hmm, hmm, that doesn't sound right. She went back. Bill finally said, after a couple of conversations, he took her, took her in for tests. Her dad died of Huntington's disease. Anybody ever hear Huntington's disease before? It is a wicked. Nasty disease that will diminish a person almost down to nothing. And his wonderful wife, his partner in ministry, was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And so here Bill is now. He's pastoring a very large church with a large staff. And he does all the cooking, he does all the shopping. He puts away all the groceries. He washes all the clothes. He takes the things to the dry cleaners. He picks things up for the dry cleaners. He cleans the house. He takes care of his wife. And he pastors a church. And he's a heart patient with three stents. Nitro in his pocket every day. And I'll call Bill up once a week. Or I'll text him and I'll say, hey man, <laughs> How's it going? How's it going? This is what I hear on the other end of the phone. It's awesome, Dan. Dan, God is doing some great things. The church is great, the family's healthy. Things are good. Because my God is good. And I know other people in that situation, men, you couldn't drag yourself out of bed. And you'd put yourself to sleep every night. Gunk, gunk, gunk. So, here's the question: Jesus is the only way that anybody on this planet is going to heaven, no matter what anybody else says or thinks. I heard that. This life is going to be very short and go by very quickly. I'm not wasting it on anything or anybody just going to waste my time. Number three, if we are going to be happy in this life filled with sorrow, trouble, and tribulation, we're going to have to make a decision to be happy in this life through every season of it because we're doing it with a God who overcame everything. Watch this. And who comes behind you and goes, hey, Go this way. Don't go that way. We got this. Now, here's my question Do you hear what I hear? No, I, I mean, I'm asking a question. Do you hear what I hear? Put your hands together. I thought so. And you know why? You're really smart people.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse nine, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and confess that you are my savior, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven with you. And God, I ask you this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need additional prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.